Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Sultry bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of sultry bagpipes. Sultry, comma, bagpipes. What's that from? Sultry and bagpipes? Yeah, it's the... Uh, it's the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. It's the uh, children. Right. The, Whenever they hear the sound of the lute, bagpipe. the lyre, the psaltery, or the bagpipe, <laughs> they all have to get down. But when it's per- being proclaimed, it sounds like sultry bagpipe. The weird thing was, like, they, it's not recorded, but I think they found it on the Dead Sea Scrolls that Nebuchadnezzar actually said, Get down, get down, get down, get down, get down tonight, Catholic stuff. Podcast, this and up. Get down, get down, get down, get down. I wish I could do the harmonies for you. That would have been pretty epic. But This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. Father Michael O'Loughlin. Father Nathan. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Christ is among us. He is and ever will be. Nice. All right. Doc, can, I, can I just make an admission? I'd like you to Deacon Joel ba- Barstad, I saw yes. him at a funeral the other day. Okay. And uh, I said that to him. And he did the three uh, references, Ooh. and I, I only went for the two. Yeah. So I, I I do not know which one of those is our tradition. I mean, I know like one's Russian, one's Greek, or one's oh, Slav, really? or one's Ruthenian. There is two different ways of doing it where you when you do the whole like head bob, kiss exactly. cheek, greeting things. And um, Deacon Joel comes from a bit of a Russian tradition, but also Ruthenian tradition. But he's like Norwegian or something. But, but he was also at the seminary. He was at your yes. seminary. Oh, right. So maybe I he learned it there. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been obviously 13 years since I've been at the seminary, but I don't know if that's one of the things they teach. For us, it just seemed to be like a, well, you know, I take that back. So when I was at the seminary, because that's actually a ritualized motion for clergy. So during the, during the creed, the beginning of the creed, the, so the... The deacon turns around and says to the people before the creed, um, Let us with one heart confess. Yes. Um, oh, man, alive. I, I need to be in the ritual. Let us love one another so that with one mind we may profess okay. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's, right. it's in other words, in, uh, this is a, an amazing lead into my topic, actually. Um, so, so in other words, we are with, let, w- w- because of love, if we love one another, we'll have one mind, the one mind of the body of Christ. The one mind of the body of Christ allows us with one mind, as multiple members of the church, with one mind, to proclaim the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in, even, even to proclaim the truth of who God is, we need love. We need the unity that comes from love. So, mm-hmm. um, But as soon as that happens, this is kind of an awkward thing, but as soon as that happens in the ancient church, that's when the kiss of peace happened. So everybody would embrace one another at that point. It was, it was just a, a sign, an out word sign of sacramental sign to prove that love was happening there so there when we when we proclaim the trinity in the creed we uh, a prerequisite for the creed is loving each other so that's so the people would embrace each other nowadays it's only the clergy so if you only have one priest do you know what he does he reverences the cross he reverences the gifts ah so he kisses the he kisses the the chalice, the discos, and the altar. Uh-huh, so it's yeah. kind of as close as he can get, because the deacons are the deacons reverence each other, the priests reverence each other in the kiss of peace, the people reverence each other. It's kind of a, a, a quote old fashioned hierarchy, but it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, the, so the the priest will actually venerate the gifts that are going to become Christ. But then, do you, uh, if there's another priest present, do you also reverence the gifts? Yes. 
every all the priests do. Okay, which you're right. That's a bit of a a bit of a redundancy, I guess, because I, I think the whole the whole reason why the reverence, as far as I understand it, the reason for the reverence of the gifts. By the way, I, I always think that people assume. I, I always assume people know that that we have one Byzantine Catholic here, one Roman Catholic. But anyway, Father Nathan's Roman Catholic. For you new, new listeners, Father, Father Nathan's Roman Catholic, I'm Byzantine Catholic. It'll be evident soon yeah, enough. It will, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm my topic today. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it might be a bit of redundancy, but it's the same thing. Like uh, in the early church, the little entrance into the divine liturgy was was the bishop. That was when the bishop entered the church. Nowadays, if, since there is not a bishop in each parish, you carry the gospel book. Mm-hmm. So the gospel book actually replaces the bishop if you oh. don't have a bishop there. Yeah. But nowadays, even if the bishop is there, you still carry the gospel book. So I think what happens is, is you had a you had a, a change of the ritual because you were lacking something. But then, when in modern times, after the printing press, and when you have all these kind of the books that all say the same thing. They didn't want to get rid of the gospel book or get rid of the veneration of the gifts just because you had somebody else there. Mm. So you, you kind of double up on the symbolism, but um, you know, it, it not a problem having the bishop and the gospel book reverence. Double up. In. Exactly. Why not? Go big. Double your pleasure, yeah. double your fun, and um, dance forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you remember all these things. Um, all right, uh, I, have, I have my notes on my phone this time. So can I just can... say real quickly, that Please. was honestly some of the shortest banter we've ever had in our entire <laughs> life. Great job. I just, I have, a, I have a habit of having the topic on my mind. I think I'm still after, how many years have I been on the podcast? Three? Five? Five? Something like that. I still get a three. little bit like nervous when we three. start. about Probably three, since topic. John left, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's a good measurement. Exactly when John left, when I received his blessing. I had someone tell me the other day, I said, yeah, when, when they asked me to be on the podcast and, and some guy, some a listener of the podcast goes, I thought you asked to be on it. I was like, I, I certainly nope. like being on it, but <laughs> I didn't ask to be on it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I appreciate it. Okay. Um, None of us asked to be on it. It's no. just, we're just told by Father John. Well, I exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that I. I don't know if I've told you this, but the conversation John, had, Father John, had with me was: we need Father Nathan to stay on the air. Like Aww. this is <laughs> this is understood. And and he said to me, he says, if if it were up to him, he would just stop. The podcast would end. So the podcast would have ended three years ago. Up if, to me. If it were up to you, yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. I that's what he said. Don't put that just, evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I said, while you're over in Rome, why don't you and Mike just continue recording? And he was like, no, we want to have you continue to record. I'm yes. like, I don't have anyone to record with over here. Right. He's like, I'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. And then he went into the hedgerows and, you know, found Michael O'Loughlin. And, and then he said, he said to me, he asked me if I wanted to be on it. And I said... I would love to. I'd be honored, but I, I I think it'd be good if you offered it to. I won't mention the name, but another companion who I thought would be really good. And he was just like, he was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, we want you. I was like, okay, agreed. <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I do consider myself. I I'm, I like being the laugh track. Um, yeah, that happens. It's been fun. It has been three fun. years. A lot of fun. Yeah. So short banter. Nice job. Yeah, okay. Thank you. To the topic. Thank you. All right, to the topic. Um, so, Father Nathan, um, when we read the scriptures and we just celebrated Pentecost, so we, we hear right. about Pentecost. Pentecost was an amazing event, supernatural things. Yep. Uh, there was a great wind in the room where the apostles were and where the disciples were. <laughs> Mother of God was... <laughs> 
That was an interesting way to phrase it, but yes. <laughs> that's, is that, what's, the tr- what's the translation? That just what's sounds like St. Bartholomew had a few too many like Cheetos or something. <laughs> that was a, a noxious wind <laughs> yes. in the upper room. Anyway, there was a, I don't know, what's, what's the translation in the NAB? I don't know. A strong driving wind. A strong driving wind in the in the upper room. A great wind that was of God. And um, and anyway, uh, tongues as of fire uh, split up, descended upon those who were gathered there. They received the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They began to prophesy, speak in tongues. They went out. People thought they were drunk. Pharisees thought they were drunk, but everybody else heard them in their own tongue. And this was um, a corrective to the Tower of Babel when all of the all of the the communication. And the the language was was diversified, was split up, so they could not communicate in a selfish way, um, as they were trying to do with the Tower of Babel in the Book of Genesis. Um, and then they went out and they proclaimed this this obviously miraculous event where people heard them in their own tongues, and then they became strong enough to be Christ-like. They became the body of Christ. They became strong enough to even actually give themselves as a gift, kenosis, self-emptying, self-gift for the church. All of them died or were killed for their faith, except, of course, Mother of God, John the Evangelist, etc. So they, they gave themselves in a way that they could not before by the power of the Holy Spirit. They yep. received the gift of the Holy Spirit to become Christ in the world. Christ said, I'll be with you till the end of the age. Christ is with us in the church, which is us, so we become Christ in the world. So if we are Christ in the world... This is and, the question. Yes, and, and, and we see in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, but even after Pentecost, many, many miraculous things happening, and people always ask, where are those things today? Have you experienced any miracles? Yes. So would you mind sharing miracles you've experienced, one or two? Um, just one in particular, um, we, when I, we were, when I was a first year focused missionary, um, oh gosh, um, Father Michael, uh, he's a priest of Joliet now. Okay. His name I'm blanking on. I'm going to look it up on my phone. <laughs> you got his first name. Yeah, it's Michael. Anyways, um, he had cancer. Um, I think it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and he was going in for his um, for his first uh, kind of scan after he was diagnosed mm. and maybe his first chemo session. So as focus missionaries, we all gathered, and um, the um, uh, it was like his last day with, with all the missionaries, and we had shaved our heads. Now, we did that later, like after his first chemo session. But anyways, um, he, um, he was going in, and I just felt this impulse to say, we should pray. Hmm. Like, like, we're all missionaries here, and we all want a healing, and so let's just get after it. So anyways, um, we put Michael in the center, and then uh, some guys led us in prayer. We all laid hands on him, and I just remember that just like, like almost fire like it was it felt warm hmm. like the whole room where we were which was actually outside but felt warm and i was like i had never felt that before anyways then he went to his first appointment and they were like we we can't find like your kind of tumor or whatever hmm. else but he ended up doing his chemotherapy i don't think it was miraculously healed like instantaneously right. um but something happened there Something happened there. Um, and then this is autobiographical. Um, 
I was uh, Joe Hersick, who is a, a friend of mine from uh, Illinois. He went to the University of Illinois. He put together a slideshow every year, hmm. and um, when he was a focused missionary. And when it got to those pictures, um, when it got to those pictures uh, of you know us praying for Michael, hmm. uh, I heard God say, "This is in my bedroom." On my computer, like just looking at the pictures, I heard God say, uh, you did that. Wow. Like, because you said we should pray. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't like it was a miracle or whatever else. It was just like you got all those people to do it. Hmm. And I instantaneously received the gift of tears and wept for the next 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Like, that never happens to me. I cry, but like, I don't sob. Yeah. And... That to me was a sign of the spirit that was in our midst and actually communicated to me and to others, like, I want to do something right now. Yeah. And I want you to be a conduit to that. Yeah. That would be one. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I think those are the, the, the combination between explicit, like, scientific biological change that obviously proves a miracle and then the subtlety of how that came about through faith is at the heart of what modern miracles are. We read the scriptures and of course we're reading stories about miracles and the works of God in in the physical world um, but that wouldn't, we still, we, we find and we interact with God through faith. So miracles do have to be Something obvious so that it's human, but also there's a subtlety there. You know, you can always find a reason. Well, it might not be a miracle because this might have happened. And and again, faith has to be involved. And and faith, if it is limited to what is observable by our five senses, is no longer faith. It, in a sense, it lowers God to a place where He's only like us. He is like us, but He's also above us. He's also different than us. And so having a miracle be both of those things, I think is a true miracle. An obvious, in an almost provable fact, like you need for, for uh, someone's canonization, but then also people are always going to say, well, it, it could have happened this way instead of a miracle. And like, that's what makes it beautiful because there is an aspect of faith that actually leads us closer to Christ through the miracle rather than only being scientific. We need in a sense to say, I believe because I love God, and I, I hope through the eyes of faith I can see him working in the world. I can see miracles where other peoples might just see coincidences mm-hmm. or, or, you know, kind of odd things. I, I've, had, I've had quite a few miracles um, that, that I've, I've seen, and I, as I was thinking about this, I thought three of them in, involve some bodily harm. <laughs> I, I've encountered one of the first miracles I had was probably 15, 17 years ago in Rome, and I was... Uh, I was with my friends, two of my friends who were very experienced on scooters. I was not, and Rome's just, uh, I probably shared this story before, but Rome's just a crazy place where, you know, people, pedestrians have the right-of-way, which is beautiful, but that just means they step out in front of traffic, and all traffic stops very suddenly. And I was just not ready for that, and I was flying on a scooter that I had rented, and my two buddies were ahead of me. Um, I was flying on the scooter, and I got behind this this car. So vividly remember a little, little red sedan and um, someone stepped out in front of it, and it just slammed on his brakes. And I had to slam on my brakes. And anyway, I ended up like doing a little bit of a, a, a wheelie and then coming down, and my front wheel was stopped because of holding the right brake. And I just endowed on this, I mean, right over the top, but right through the uh, the um, 
uh, screen, the uh, visor on the, I forget, paste the name right now. Anyway, I went and slid, I think I was wearing a helmet. A half Over the helmet. windshield. Over the windshield, thank you. Over the windshield, cr- smashed it up, went right underneath the red car, and then the bus that was behind me went right on top of my scooter. So I was under a car, the, uh, the scooter was under a bus. Anyway, I scooted myself out, of course, everybody was horrified, and they all stopped, and um, anyway, I was, I was beat up pretty bad. I had quite a bit of road rash, but the, the, the miracle was that when I, I got back on the scooter, and the whole right side of it was trashed, the part that had hit the ground, and anyway, I caught up with my friends. They had stopped because they couldn't find me, um, and I convinced them not to go to the, I didn't need to go to the hospital, so we went to this church that we were on our way to already. I don't remember the name of the church. John or Mike would know. Father John or Father Mike would know. Um, it's, it's on a hill, and it has the little window. Do you know that the little window? That if you look through the little window of Ivy, you see the, the Dome of St. Peter's. Okay, so there's this, it's on a hill. Anyway, we went into that church. I had a lot going on. I had, I was in love with the girl, but discerning celibacy. I was, you know, obviously injured, and I was afraid my European trip was over. This was the Steubenville because I had just trashed a scooter, you know, and I'd, I'd fled the scene. I mean, I, there was, there was right. no, no proof of anything. So anyway, I prayed, and I had this amazing, peaceful moment of Christ just saying, like, just hand it to me hand it to me. It was very, it was very childlike. It's like what yeah. you say to a Christ, what you say to a kid, you know, just give your burdens to Christ. Give your burdens. So I did. I mean, I, I very intentionally in prayer handed those things to Christ. Every single one of them worked out amazingly. They didn't charge me a thing for the scooter. Didn't charge my credit card. I mean, they let me just go on my way. The, the wounds healed without any real damage. I never went to the hospital. You know, it, everything was just really, really incredible. Um, and the girl, the girl Weren't you dating? I, I I was not dating her, but we oh. were really, really close. I mean, we were I was already in the pre theology program, which meant <clears throat> which meant I couldn't date. But actually the, the the two times I fell in love in college were both girls I was not dating. That sounds really weird, but I was already discerning seriously, so I had this kind of delusion that I could just hang out with girls since I was discerning and they knew I was discerning. Oh, I could interesting. Hang, <laughs> That's so interesting. I could hang out. Yeah, I, 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 I am not a hypocrite father. <laughs> <laughs> and I could hang out with them all day, every day, and be just fine. Uh-huh. And obviously, they fell for me. I fell for them. Anyway, it was it was a yeah. it was a mess. So this was one of the girls where I intentionally stayed, did not get her contact information when we when we left school because I, I knew I knew that it would be trouble. I I, I knew that I, I would be so tempted to get back in contact with her. Anyway, celibacy obviously went out, and I'm I'm very happy celibate after 13 years of ordination. But. Um, all of that, uh, it all came to fruition. I felt a lot of peace about all of it. That was another one. The other one was my herniated disc. I, oh, I yeah. told the story too, where I, w- I had it for six months. A little boy walks up to me in a restaurant. I don't know from anywhere. And he says to me, Father Michael, we're praying for your back. I just assume someone told him or he's from St. Vincent de Paul or something where I help out. And anyway, the next morning, I wake up, nothing. Perfectly fine. Six months. I had surgery scheduled, everything, no need at all. The second time that happened was actually about a week ago, and I woke up when I was rocking around Pittsburgh. I walked around for two days. I, I had, I've had lower back pain a little bit for the past year, and I woke up on Sunday morning with horrible, horrible sciatica mm. all down my right leg, all day Sunday, all day <coughs> Monday. Sure enough, what happens on Tuesday morning, I get up, horrible pain. I go to morning prayer. I walk out of morning prayer, and this mother and like a two-year-old boy are walking down the street in front of my church, and this little boy who I don't recognize from anybody says to me, 
hi, Father Michael. I say, oh, hi, bud. You know, just typical priestly greeting. Right. And he's like, we're praying for you. Oh, thank you. And I thought, is he from Sophia Montessori? But he looks too young. The mother kind of nods at me like, I don't even think she recognized me, but somehow he knew my name. Sure enough, hour later, Boom. no pain at all. I haven't had any since. What? I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Why? Why does this happen to you? I don't. I don't know. These little kids are angels in my life. They. They. That's. I don't. I don't understand it either. But I'm glad it happens. I'm. I'm happy about it. And the. Uh, the most recent was. You know, I've been riding motorcycles for for years now. My brother lends me his. I don't own one. But um, anyway, I got. I got a woman turned right in front of me on Friday mm-hmm. a few days ago, and I went. I could not get around the back of her. I dumped the bike. Went skidding along the ground. Uh, trashed my helmet, trashed my clerics, trashed my shoes, and got up with some pretty minor road rash on my elbow, and that is it. Yeah. It was incredible, really. And I, I, I had this vision the next Sunday, not not a real vision, but just this thought of like my guardian angel just literally carried me what should have been much, much worse and kind of said, well, let me teach him a lesson, so kind of scrape my elbow against the ground a little bit, you know, just to be like, yeah. he needs something. You know, rock is a roll a little bit, but it was honestly... too, yeah, too miraculous. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it was, it was really... And now I'm, I'm fine. You know, I, they want me to go to the hospital, but I didn't. Had, you know, people fix me up, had a couple of nurses look at me, my, my road rash. But anyway, it, so, yes, these are, these are miracles, we know yeah. uh, what I believe is is the subtlety of God. Wonder to the us. eye, yes, miraculu. He does, yeah. He does things that that allow us to continue to serve the kingdom of God and to build up the church, and yet to grow closer to Him through holiness and to to learn something. And and mm-hmm. it, for people of faith, why wouldn't God be in every single? Why um, the world and our lives are saturated with Him. God is everywhere in everything. So mm-hmm. even things that are that don't appear to be miracles and things that do, God is at work there. And and again, it, this this is miracles are not an essential part of our faith. They're just wonders to the eye because God created our eyes and and He He created everything. So so everything is filled with His work. Well, Saint Paul. I mean, there are miracles in the Acts of the Apostle. Yeah, but not all of the things are miraculous. Right. Like in Saint Paul's letters. He talks about certain gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, whatever. But he says there are much greater gifts, and let me show you. Like yeah. they, they're, you know, love is patient, love is kind, etc. And then he also talks about people who have wronged him, hmm. and he doesn't say, "I wished their death," and miraculously they died. It's like you still have to live a human life, right? And you can pray for healings. But at the same time, like, it's both. I mean, yeah. Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus rises from the grave. Yeah. So no matter where you are, you can be with Christ, even right. if those things don't happen to you. Right. I mean, I've had some people say, how can I believe in a God who would give a child cancer? Right. It's like, well, um, what, what exactly, what, what kind of God, you know, offers himself on a cross? Right. And... I don't know. They seem incompatible, and in some ways, not. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that that's that's an in, that's a topic for a whole years where the podcast is the problem of evil. Um, but I, I think there is, like, look at Job. I mean, yeah. Th- th- there's a certain humility. I just read Flannery O'Connor's Revelation. Oh yeah. You ever read it? Dairy Queen. Oh, I was in Dairy Queen, yeah. laughing my head <laughs> off reading that thing. 
That's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. It is, because th- there are so many subtle references to Job, to the Pharisee and the publican, and there's this great moment that I almost missed about about from the Job story. I, I won't give it away, but when, when she yells, she's angry at God, and she's standing by the pig pen, and she yells out, who do you think you are? Yeah. And, and there's like this silence, and then there's this echo. Like her own voice echoes back at her, and it's like, it's Jesus answering, <clears throat> saying, who do you think you are? You know, it was this great moment of humility. Like when we, and I think this is the heart of the faith, if we love and trust Christ, if we are becoming in union with him, then, then we are saying your reasons are bigger and there is something so human. There's nothing wrong with questioning evil. There's nothing wrong with even whining to God and even yelling at him. I don't mind people yelling at God. I, don't, I, I yell at God all the time. But, the, but there's also something about saying, I want a God that does things that are beyond my power of understanding. Mm-hmm. I want a God that does things I don't understand. If he did everything I understand, he'd be, in a sense, a boring and a very earthly God. Our God is beyond us. And so I should, I should accept, even if it's extremely painful, the fact that we have a God that is that great, that, that, that is working in ways beyond our understanding. Yeah. One of the lines is, God's patience is directed towards salvation. So, like, when God is not acting, it doesn't mean that he is not doing anything. Right. It's that now is not the time. If I could have asked for everything that I wanted whenever I was oh, yeah. seven years old or 13 years old, oh, yeah. my life would have been totally screwed up. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, the longer you stay in the church, I think the longer you realize God is at work. Yeah. And there are miracles that happen, and sometimes you don't know they were miraculous yeah. until many, many years later. And it's right. like, if I would have done that, if I would have gone there, what would have happened? Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, a lot of people can tell those stories about how they were in accidents or shootings. I mean, that guy who almost shot you, you know, who oh, wrecked yeah. his bike... I mean, yeah. that's a miracle yeah. in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, can they be explained? Not really. Like, is it as flashy as, you know, St. Francis preaching to the wolf or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, even in that moment, that guy, you've got to go listen to the Tsunami Ninjas podcast, but the guy that, that intended to kill me, on he was on a motorcycle and pulled out his gun, like, at that moment, his full intention was to shoot me. Yeah. I mean, and to take my life. And then, obviously, a little while later, he was glad he didn't, and I was certainly glad I, he didn't. But, yep. you know, th- th- there's that, you know, our intention changed. But even for, like, the loss of a child to cancer, one of the most inexplicable things in the world, you know, there's, I think, Christians that have experienced tragedy beyond their control and the, the questioning response that everybody must have in those moments that actually is a aspect of faith that that does bond them to christ Mm -hmm. that surrender for the reasons and the mourning blessed are those who mourn you know uh, that actually bonds us closer to christ and it does not of course christians do not have all the answers it just means sometimes we are more eloquent in the confusion and that is a good 
That's what Christians are. We, 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 we are presented with the truth, but when we don't understand it, we still progress through life with a certain joy and eloquence in confusing circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the greatest witnesses of Christians to the world. The world is going to be a confusing, heart-wrenching, anxiety-ridden place sometimes, and who handles that best? Is it someone who, who needs to be in control and is off their game if they're not, or is it someone who is at least a little bit eloquent and restful and joyful in the confusion? You know, Father Gronsky um, our departed spiritual father and the companions, he would tell the story, and I don't know where this is from, but at Auschwitz, they put God on trial. Huh. The Jews did. And they had prosecutors, defendants, jury, and judge. Wow. And the whole point was, if we are here, is there a God? Like, yeah. like is God liable for our you know suffering here? Yeah. And they defended him, and they prosecuted him, hmm. and then eventually they come to the conclusion that God is guilty. And then they went back to their work. Yeah. <laughs> because like they just had to go through the exercise yeah. <laughs> of, we're going to come to a place where we say, we know that it is, in some sense, your doing. Right. Yet we have faith. Yeah. And no matter if we describe it as God's permissive will, his active will, you know, the problem evil, et cetera, like God is responsible, but he's going to bring something out of this. Yeah. And I don't know, when people say, how could you believe in a God who would allow for Auschwitz? I'm like, I mean, don't just stop at Auschwitz. Like, right. there's all sorts of things that you can blame God yep. for. But in some sense, God just says, put it on me. Yeah. Put it, and, and the people that really vent their anger against God... I believe end up coming to a deeper relationship with him yep. because Absolutely. instead of instead of like you don't care. Yeah. And I'm just going to push you out. It's like no, let's let's have it out. Yeah. And I think that's actually the message of Flannery O'Connor to go back to her is that in other words almost all the what I perceive are the antagonists in her stories are all the people that are kind of putting on a show. They're fake. Yep. It's all about they're very surface and that they they want only what is surface. They want human respect, human things. They want very earthly things. And the the whole point of what she's saying is, is that that's all nothing. And the protagonists, if there are any in Flannery O'Connor, you really, I, I oftentimes have trouble finding the protagonists, but they're the ones who are, in my understanding, the ones who kind of do see and care about the deeper things, not status, like in Revelation, it's all about social status, you know, but rather the deeper things like salvation. If you haven't read that book, uh, the short story, Revelation by Flannery O'Connor, it's all about what salvation looks like and the revelation of the the, the main character's place in that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's beautiful. Um, so yes, so what allows us to live in this world, to thrive, whether we experience miracles or not, is of course the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost. So, um, in my in my preparation, my prayerful preparation for Pentecost, um, I definitely uh, had. Do, do you know what the the Hebrew word ruach means? From Breath. yes, wind. breath or wind or spirit. spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like the the spirit obviously that hovered over the waters in the beginning of the creation is the same spirit that hovers over the waters of baptism and that brings about new creation. So, the spirit of God. Um, if, if we if it's spirit or breath, I mean the same thing. Uh, 
you know, I had this meditation upon breathing out and breathing in Mm -hmm. when it comes to the breath. So the breath of God, this is why I love, and I know you agree with me on this, but, but liturgical purity. In other words, read what's in the book. If you, if you're, if you're doing liturgy and and you're, you're thinking that this is not enough, that people are not moved by what's in the book. So I'm going to add all these things to the liturgy. When many priests do this, like you're not breathing with God. Like the liturgy is a certain lived breathing. And it, like if if I try to alter what's in the book for liturgy, I'm literally I'm breathing against God. I mean, it's like it's like sleep apnea. You know, my my heart and my lungs are disagreeing. Mm. And and when when I try to alter the liturgy, I'm doing liturgical sleep apnea. I'm doing one thing, and the, the body of Christ and the, the breathing of the body of Christ is doing something else. You know, this is what sin is. Sin, sin is a is a breathing against the body of Christ, against Christ himself. So if we say the, the Pentecost is the Feast of the Spirit, again, it's when the Spirit was given to the apostles and, and the disciples, and we say that, that that is a certain breathing. I just had a meditation on two things that have to do with the breathing. Um, the breathing in is, in a sense, um, kind of what is, what is immersed in our hymns and the prayers of the, of the liturgy about the, the healing of the Tower of Babel. So the Tower of Babel in Genesis... Um, the the people were trying, there's two different interpretations of this, I love them both, but of course, one of them was they were trying to build, in a sense, a stairway to heaven, right, Pink Floyd, right? They were trying, trying to build this, they were trying to get to heaven on their own without God, which is exactly what Adam and Eve were trying to do. That's Led Zeppelin. Sorry, what did I say? Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, sorry. Just some, you know. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. My bad. So let's definitely start with heaven. So like, like they were trying to get to heaven without God. We're going to build a tower on our own. An interpretation I heard recently, which is beautiful, was is that they knew, as happened many times after this, that God comes to the mountaintop. So I mean, think of all the mountaintops: Zion, Horeb, and you know, Transfiguration. Like all these mountaintops, that's where God comes. And so they were trying to literally build a mountain to force God yeah, to come. Yeah. So the Tower of Babel, it was a man-made mountain so that he said, God, you come here. Yeah, that's like, what we're the pyramids not gonna, are. Right, right. Ziggurats. Yeah. We're not going to go to your mountain. We're going to, in a sense, force you to come to our mountain. Huh. In other words, you're going to act on our terms. We build the mountain, you come to our mountain. It was, it was, there was an immense pride and an arrogance there, and in both ways it is. So God, and obviously they had to work together to do this, to build. They had to work together, so God scattered their tongues. He, he separated their tongues so they could not communicate. And this is the beginning of various languages that, of course, are very frustrating if you're traveling or even if you're here and can't speak to someone. Um, so Pentecost was a healing of that arrogance. It was a healing of the Tower of Babel because now when the apostles were speaking, everybody heard them in their own tongues. There was a, there was a common language. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Sister Natalia Olson at Christ the Bridegroom. She wrote a beautiful letter to the parish for Pentecost and she said that the last line of the epistle, the first reading during our liturgy, it says that the apostles spoke of the glory of God. And so in a sense, she reflected and said, the glory of God becomes the common tongue. Like speaking the glory of God is what everybody can speak together wow. towards one mission. So instead of like building up themselves and speaking of the glory of themselves, the common language of Pentecost is speaking the glory of God. And anybody who speaks of the glory of God is in a sense speaking that same common tongue, the tongue of movement towards Christ, uh, of the glory of God. So they're in a sense one of the fruits of Pentecost if we, for the breathing in. In other words, you, when we breathe in, we, in a sense, breathe in air from various places into the unity of our lungs, et cetera. So there's a, there's a unity in the breathing in and the unity of the common tongue. Um, this means that 
in our this is a very pastoral podcast but but idea here but but in in our lives you have there's lots of times when we don't feel we are speaking the same language there's miscommunication among spouses among parents and children among boss and employee that there's there's a a lack of understanding in the communications, a lack of unity in the way that we speak and communicate. And that, in a sense, is one of the miracles, one of the fruits of the gifts of the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost. I mean, we have, we have the heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, everywhere present and filling all things, treasure your blessings and giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, save our souls, O, o Gracious One. That's our Holy Spirit prayer. What would you say the Roman Holy Spirit prayer is? Um, it's the one that they prayed at the beginning of all the councils um, for I, I don't know how long, but um, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth thy, thy spirit and they shall be created and they, thou shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who did instruct the hearts of this, the apostle, the, O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of that same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Yeah. I mean, these would be amazing prayers to pray before you have a, a discussion, or if you start a fight with your spouse or with your parents or whatever, like, pause, <laughs> pray these prayers. This is the prayer the heavenly king has prayed before a priest preaches in many parishes. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, you're asking the Holy Spirit to inspire the priest, like, Holy Spirit, give us a unity of communication. Give us one voice, one purpose. We're going to have this discussion, and it's for the glory of God, as it was for the apostles. We're asking for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this discussion, in this fight, in this conversation, and we're asking for strength. We're asking for freedom from fear. We're asking for self-gift. All the things the apostles had— let us bring that into this current conversation. If you're walking into a, a meeting with your boss or, or a conference, like just pray it as you're going in. Holy Spirit, be present here. Empower unity, the breathing in, the unification, and, and the, the organization and order of voices, of yeah. communication, of language. Help us to understand each other. Yeah, I mean, I, it's true because sometimes when people come to talk to me, whether in confession or like they are... Um, they're coming for counsel or whatever else. They just want to launch right into it. Yes. And I'm like, let's just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit and whatever. And sometimes I can tell if they're unrecollected because they have absolutely no idea what they're saying. It's just like, (laughs) just it's babble, frankly. Yeah. They're just Hmm. talking at the mouth and it's like, what, what, why are you here? You know? And then sometimes if you just take a moment, call upon the Holy Spirit and then direct the conversation, it actually, the, the fruit of it comes out. Yeah. I have a policy, and I've rarely used this because most people don't, but if someone, <laughs> if their only reason of having a conversation with me is to criticize me or somebody else, I will, as soon as they start criticizing in the beginning, I will say, I am, I am willing and happy to hear your criticism, but before that, I need to hear either an insight or a question about Jesus Christ. In other words, let's orient this before the complaining. Let's orient this to the reason why we're both here, either a question or an insight about Jesus Christ, and then we'll move on. And that usually either they say they don't want to, and then I don't have the conversation, then they, they don't have the ability to criticize, or like you said, they kind of stumble around looking for something. But after you've had a question or an insight, you're usually a little bit softened and yeah. ready to be a little more Christ-like in, in the discussion. Um, so that's the breathing in. Breathing out, um, this is a, a more unknown. Uh, 
do you off the top of your head? I don't expect you to. I'd be surprised if you did. But do you, do you off the top of your head know what Old Testament reading you hear on Pentecost in the Roman lectionary? Is there one? No. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, we just do Acts of the Apostles. Okay. We do Acts of the Apostles, and then probably a reading from Romans. Okay. So we have. Um, let me see if I can. Could. Maybe it's an option. Yeah. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to look up. So we have a numbers 11, 16 through 17, and 24 through 29 yeah. as one, one of the three. Um, so now let me pull it up here. So this is what it says. So this is, uh, again, you'll obviously see the, the type or the preparation for Pentecost. And the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting. Let them take their stand with you. And I will come down and will talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit which is upon you and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Mm-hmm. So the single spirit of God given to Moses will be split, sounds just like Pentecost, and will be shared among these 70 elders. Um, and, and, and the reason, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. If you remember, like throughout Exodus and Numbers, you, you hear the people whining and complaining. Always. Mm-hmm. Always, in all things to Moses. And then Moses goes and whines and complains to God. I mean, it's funny to see that oftentimes when, when things are going well, which is rare in the Exodus, Moses calls them my people. When they're not going well, yeah, he says, yeah. they're your people, God. You know, <laughs> it's like the language of parents if the kid's acting up. Um, so th- there's this burden. Moses has this immense burden by the whining and complaining of the people of God that he brought out of slavery, you know, on God's notice. So God, in a sense, has mercy on him and says, this yoke, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This yoke that, that I gave you, Moses, to be the leader of this people, to lead them out of slavery, to lead them to the promised land, it's obviously too heavy for you. You're complaining a lot. So instead of removing you and giving the role to somebody else, it is your vocation. I'm actually going to disperse the burden. So among, among 70, that you do not bear it alone. So in a sense, God is having immense mercy on Moses and spreading it out among the elders of the people. So now I almost imagine him saying, you know, if you're going to come and complain, there's 71 of us, or there's, you know, me, dad, and, and L, dad, who are off still in the town. They right. get this spirit as well. But um, there's almost this, this person like, you can go to any of us and whine and complain because we all have the spirit. We've all been ordained in a sense by God to, to handle the burden of the people. Um, to me, this means pastorally that, when we become members of the church, well, when we think of this as we had two chrismations, two confirmations on Pentecost, a mother and a son. And it was, it was so beautiful. Shout out to Chelsea Nunziato and Damien Nunziato. But like they, they were chrismated. They received Pentecost. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit at that moment. And in a sense, in a selfish way, I'm looking at two more souls sitting in the parish saying, they now bear the burden sure. of living the Christian life with the rest of us in this parish. Life and Christianity can be a burden. The more This is another selfish point of evangelization. The more people we bring into the fullness of the initiation of the life of the church, the lighter the burden is for us because the burden is dispersed. And now in an objective way, she has received the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that she bears the burden and the gifts she's been given assist in the church carrying that burden, the burden that has been carried. So, this is in the breathing out. This the is the groaning, the groaning, the, yeah. the the dispersion, the spreading out. I mean, and anything you know, you know, the 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 wider the surface area, the more 
the more weight it can handle. You know, in, in a very real way, we breathe in the unity of being able to communicate. In a sense, after the fixing of the Tower of Babel, God now trusts us to communicate with each other once again. And so he's saying, like, I took that away from you because you were using it for evil. Now, because I died and rose for you and invited you into my body, I trust you with communication again. So, so work together in community for the upbuilding of the church and for the glory of God. And then, but we say, but Lord, this is too much of a burden. Like, you... You, you took it away from us, we still can't handle it. Are we really any better than they were in Babel? And, and Christ says, you're not by yourself, but you are within the body of Christ. You are within the church together. Yeah. You can communicate and you can bear this burden together, and therefore you can thrive and glorify the church. And that's what St. <clears throat> Paul says, is that, the, but the Spirit of God intercedes with inexpressible groanings. Mm-hmm because you do not know how to pray as you ought. Right. But like, so, I mean, even if though our prayer is imperfect, the Spirit makes it complete. Yes, So exactly. And then he, he fixes it. He, he translates it in a way that God will understand. And I think that the Spirit is what unifies us. The Spirit is what animates us. The Spirit is what allows the, the church to be the body of Christ. And in all of our mistakes and all of our weaknesses, all of our vulnerabilities, um, we don't have to be perfect because we are only members of a community that is the body of Christ. We are not individually the body of Christ, but all of us together are. So there, in a sense, the burden is, is lightened by Christ, who loves us individually, but it's also lightened because we are members of a body that all bear the burden together. And I, and I, I said in my homily, you know, I grew up with a pastor, I'm sure I've shared with him before, but Father Chris Uger had had a, you know a nervous it literally his spinal column there were spaces in between the bones in his spinal column so like it was just he was having you know attacks of the nervous system it was in extreme pain a lot of the time and I I mean I would t- when I turned eighteen I would I would take his socks off in the evening excruciating pain and I would go you know out of my way to be there in the evenings and you know it, it would be an inconvenience to my schedule he never a single time apologized to me. And I was so glad. He did not need to apologize. Like, he was a, a worthy burden on my life that led me closer to mm. Christ and assisted in my vocation to the priesthood. Like, that's what he did. He, he gave me something by being a burden to me in those ways. Absolutely. And I, like, I was more than happy, not every time, but more than happy upon analysis later on to say, I bared the burden with him, and he bared my burden with me, and both of us together bared the burden of this Christian life in this era, and we were both empowered to do that with the rest of the body of Christ, animated by the Holy Spirit. We were, we were able to do that because of, of the diversity and the multiplicity of the members of the body of Christ mm-hmm. as unified through Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's actually, I mean, there's actually a great homily by uh, Pope Francis uh, I think it's his first year of his pontificate on Pentecost mm. about unity and diversity, that mm. only only through the Spirit can you achieve unity, but only through the Spirit can you have legitimate diversity. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would encourage you all to check that out. Yeah. An- another beautiful paradox within the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So... That's all I got. Miracles. Miracles and the working of the Holy Spirit and Spirit. burdens and, and communication. Yep. Yep. Lot yes, to cover. Yes, it is. All right. All right. Well, we'll digest that and ask you to do the same. Mm. All right. Well, I actually need to be at the church in 12 minutes. Yep. And uh, just a shout out for those of you who did not listen to the last podcast, I would encourage oh, you yes. to listen to the last five minutes, 10 minutes. 
if you are currently a donor <clears throat> to the podcast uh, through the Companions of Christ. We have now become a 501c3 called the J10 Initiative, J, J period 10 Initiative, um, and we can receive donations. So we're no longer kind of under the umbrella of the Companions of Christ. Yeah. Um, we're now our own kind of entity. Uh, separate entity. So yeah. a man shall leave his father and mother and cling <laughs> to his to his 501c3 and they will become one corporation. This made-up entity that sounds more important than it is. <laughs> right. So again, like, if you are interested in donating to the podcast, great. Um, it takes all kinds. It helps us to be able to keep track, form a donor base, uh, to be in contact with you. Uh, but honestly, we just want to uh, do what is right in the eyes of, of uh, profane mother IRS. Yeah, thank so. you. So if, if you do want to donate to us, please make the checks, make the checks or the donation out to J10 Initiative, mm-hmm. and you can even do that from our website, Catholic Stuff Podcast. Yeah, and on at the there's a button on there that you can transfer over yeah. from PayPal. Again, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, like we we did just purchase microphones. Um, we're hoping to get a soundboard as well as a computer. We have people that have said they would be willing to donate that in the past, but now if they actually donate it, they can get tax credit. So wise as serpents, gentle as doves. And Father Nathan might keep his mullet for longer if we can keep him in um, hair product. Right. Yeah, just for 39 cents a day, you yeah. can help a poor priest support his uh, his addictive vanity. Keep his glorious mane. I do want to give a shout-out um, to all of those from St. Francis Cabrini uh, who graduated this past year nice. uh, from high school. I did not realize that I would be as moved as I was mm. seeing them graduate. Um, nice. But uh, they were sophomores when I left, so they were freshmen when I arrived, sophomores when I left, and then now junior seniors because I've been at Joan of Arc for two years and seeing them I'm like wow like you have grown up so so beautifully mm-hmm. well and especially there there's a couple of them like I did not think you were going to convert and you did <laughs> um, amen there's one one in particular um, she knows that she is my favorite Jaden Jones <laughs> um, she's a longtime podcast listener she's in Italy right now. Um, so she is listening probably in like Venice or something like that. So God bless you, Jaden. And to all the rest of them, to Tommy and Matthew, um, to little Shern, um, and to the, my people at St. Joan of Arc, Anthony Gallardo, who, uh, graduated this year. He's a stud. He's nice. going to Nebraska Wesleyan to, uh, play football. Cool. My two high school graduates were Simon Grondon and Aaron DeLue. Oh, nice. Yes. I didn't know that Grondon graduated. Yeah. So Bernadette is uh, is at Ave Maria, or did she just finish up? I think she just finished up at Ave Maria. She can't be four years older than Simon. No. Anyway. No, no. Anyway, she's at Ave Maria. <laughs> I should know these things. But but Simon Grondon graduated, and uh, so did Aaron DeLue. So God bless you guys. Thanks for your dedication. And final, uh, finally, a single graduate to Father Daniel Eusterman, who got his license. He doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> now he will because he's vain and wants to hear praise. Someone will tell him who was on it. Nice job. Yes. You too. Thanks for all for listening. Appreciate it. Catholic Stuff Podcast at Gmail. Catholic Stuff Podcast. Yep. And uh, anyway, Instagram, Instagram iTunes, SoundCloud, all the rest. Ciao, ciao.